What up, Big Sal? I, love I just said, woo. Okay, amen. <laughs> hey, real quick, I just want to jump into uh, tonight's message and uh, talk about a couple of things with you guys. So if you have your Bibles, take out your Bibles. Um, this Sunday is Father's Day. And uh, I know we just finished singing this song about a good, good father. And so I, I kind of felt with it being Father's Day that I wanted to maybe touch base with that a little bit because I, as long as I've been doing youth ministry, uh, I've realized something that not all of us have a good father. Matter of fact, not many of us have a father, period. Right now, statistically speaking, almost half of every child born in the United States is born without a father already in the house. And so um, I understand there's a number of you that maybe you don't have dad in your house. Maybe you don't have your biological father. And even for many of you, maybe you do have dad, but you may not categorize him necessarily as good. Um, you know, I, I would say growing up that I had a good father. Um, he was a, he is, he's still alive, good, good father. Uh, I'm his favorite, obviously, because it's me. Um, but even though he was good, without trying, he was absent. Um, the way his schedule worked at, at his job, he would work from 2 p.m. to midnight. And so Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. to midnight. So I would wake up and um, go to school, and then by the time I came back, he would go to work. And by the time I went to sleep, he would come home. So we really only saw each other on the weekends. And so even though my dad uh, has never left my mom and they've been together uh, for over 40 years, uh, it still felt like my dad wasn't around because I only saw him on the weekends. Now, obviously, there was a lot of things that I wish I could have done with my dad, but he was too tired on the weekends. And there was a lot of things that I wish I could have done with him during the week, but I didn't have him there during the week. I will tell you, though, low-key, there are some benefits to that. For example, he would sleep during the day. So when my mom, you know, I go to my mom, like, Mommy, can I go play with my friends? And she'd be like, ask your dad. I'm like, okay. And he's half asleep, so I'm like, pop, pop. My mommy said to ask you if I could play with my friends. And he was so tired. He's like, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Pop said I could do whatever I want. And then I go run off and, you know, I'd be gone for hours, right? So there were some benefits. And then there were some drawbacks. For example, back in the day, uh, we only bought one three liter of pop. We used to do three liters back in the day for 99 cents. Yeah. And so we had a three liter of pop in the house, right? We weren't allowed to drink soda during the week. We only got to drink soda pop on the weekend. Now, here's why. It was not a health reason, obviously, okay? This was not so that we wouldn't have a lot of sugar. It was because he didn't want us to open the pop during the week, and when he would drink it on the weekend, it would be flat. And so the rule was only my dad could open the pop so that he could have the fresh soda because he bought the 99-cent Big whoop, right? He bought the pop. And so that was the rule. So I hated that rule, uh, but it was the rule. There were some different things that went on between my dad and I. And, and, and I go into that because when we sing a song like Good, Good Father, one of the challenges is we don't have a reference for what a good father is. So singing something like that or reading something like that in the Bible where God talks about how he's a good father, if we're honest, there's a lot of times where we're like, yeah, I don't know what that is. A lot of times we look at it and we go, mm, I don't really understand that reference point. See, I don't have a father or my father isn't good or my father doesn't want to be a part of my life. And, and there's a number of issues that come up. And if we're honest, most of the time we don't want to talk about it. 
We don't want to be labeled with daddy issues. We don't want to be labeled with, with this kind of self-esteem thing. We'd rather just ignore it and, and move past it. And so I want to challenge you tonight, and I want to show you what a good father looks like. And so in order to do that, it's important to understand that you may feel like you don't have a good father, but if you are a believer, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that every single one of you does have a good father. And just to look at that, let's look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Is it cold? Are you guys cold? I feel like it's cold. Can we turn that up a little bit? Sal, if you, is he's here, turn it up. I, I see all the kids like, <laughs> buy a, we have sweaters for sale in the back, buy a sweater. If you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, listen to what the Bible says. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Okay? So here God clearly defines that those who have a relationship with him are his children. And he affirms it by saying, listen, that's what we are. We are God's children. Now, let me just clarify this a little bit because uh, culture might tell you, and you'll hear this from time to time, hey, we're all God's children. That's not true. We're all God's creation, we're all created, but we're not all God's children, okay? And it goes on to say in 1 John chapter 3 that there is a difference, that some of us are children of God and some of us are children of the devil. And it depends on who your faith is in. If you put your relationship in Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with God, if you've accepted him as Lord and Savior, then you have the opportunity to be considered a child of God. And so here he, he sets it up by saying, listen, this isn't because you deserve to be his kid. This isn't because you've earned it or you're good enough. It was the love of God that brought you into a relationship with him to say, listen, I consider you now my child. You are, you are my child. Now, again, if I can use it in this way, I didn't have my dad during the week, but I had a couple of men in my life that played some of those roles for me. And so we had a guy upstairs that was kind of like a, a, a grandpa to me. And he would take me to play soccer. And he would take me to like the airport just to look at the planes flying over when I was a little kid. He was able to do a lot of those things. Even though he wasn't blood to me, he was somebody that stepped up in some of those areas. And so God is saying, listen, I am the ultimate father. Anything that you were missing from your biological earthly father is fulfilled and some because I am your father. And if you start to read the Bible, you start to see some attributes of this father that are very important for you and I to understand. If you're taking notes, the first one is this. A good father provides for his children's needs. A good father provides for his children's needs. Now let me clarify something before I go deeper into these thoughts. Because some of you might be going, well, what's, what's really the point of all this? Okay, because... Sometimes, you know, there's a bitterness and anger towards our dad. Well, let me tell you this. Even if it's not about your biological father, gentlemen, one day you may have the honor of becoming a father. And you don't know how it's supposed to look if you've never seen one. And so tonight I want to show you what a good father looks like so that if you ever get the opportunity to be a dad, you know what a father's supposed to be. And ladies, you have the honor and the privilege of choosing the person who's going to be your child's father. Now, sometimes we act like we don't because if you mess around with somebody and you get pregnant, you're like, well, I didn't choose that. Yes, you chose to sleep with that person. So, yes, you did have that choice. And, again, there's other circumstances that are different. But for the majority of you, you're going to choose who to marry. 
You're going to say yes or no. So salty if the dude gets on one knee and you're like, mm, nah. <laughs> okay? But for the most part, you're going to choose. It's important for you to understand you're not just choosing a husband. You're choosing a father for your children. And I think it's important to know what is a father supposed to look like, especially if you never had one growing up, so that you can make a good choice because a father is not just a good-looking man. Okay? A father is so much more. And like I said in the first part, a good father provides for his children's needs. Listen, Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 through 11. Your parents, or you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you, sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Listen, God's desire is to provide for your needs. God's desire is to give you good gifts. If you have an opportunity to get married one day, that is a gift of the Father. If you have an opportunity to have children one day, that is a gift of God. If you have an opportunity to be used by God, that's a gift. God desires to give you good gifts. Now, it's important to differentiate that God will provide for all of your needs, but he may not provide for all of your wants. Okay? There's a lot of things that we misunderstand and we mislabel a want for a need. Okay? You want the newest phone. You don't need it. Okay? We existed for centuries without telephones. You can live. But it's what you want. Right? You want to be in a relationship. You don't need to be right now because, you know, you barely know how to bathe. And so you stink and you're trying to get with somebody else stinky and you two little funky people are going to walk around and stink up the whole place. Okay? So just because you want to do it, doesn't mean you need to do it. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of times where I got mad at God because I was praying for a want, thinking it was a need, and when God didn't give me what I wanted, just like a child who complains about not getting what they wanted, I remember kicking and screaming and getting mad at God and saying, you're a horrible dad. I asked my wife that one time, because we'll see little kids throw out, hey, what would you do if one day, you know, you have a kid and they snap on you and they're like, I hate you, you're a horrible mom. She's like, I'll kick that kid. I was like, what if they're like two, a little two-year-old going to get kicked in the face? I was like, babe, you can't say that. <laughs> okay? But it's, again, this is what we do to God. We need to be careful to understand that, yes, God promises to provide for your needs. But you have to learn to differentiate the difference between what's a need and what's a want. Okay? You guys have your needs. For the most part, everybody in this room has clothes on their back. Everybody in this room has a bed to sleep in tonight. Everybody in this room has a place to get. Those are needs that God has provided for you. You may not have everything you want, right? You might want a, a certain new game. You may not have it, but you don't need it. And we have to be careful because sometimes we get mad at God because he didn't give us what I want. And listen, I get it. Some of us are like, but I wanted a dad. And God says, yeah, that's a need. And that's where God comes in to provide for that need. And maybe you won't ever have a biological father that fulfills the things that you wanted him to fulfill here. But with God, you can become that father or you can marry that father and you can change it for the generations after you so that your kids don't have to grow up with the things that you grew up with. Because here's the deal. I would not have had a good father if my father didn't get saved in his mid-20s. My father was a drunk. My father, my uncles all died from alcohol-related illnesses. Uh, my father was going down that same path, womanizing, doing all these different things. The Lord got a hold of him in a little Spanish church in Humboldt Park. 
my dad gave his heart to the Lord. And in that same building met my mom, this sweet, amazing 25-year-old woman. So she said when my dad walked in, she told all her girlfriends, that one's mine. She just called dibs right off the bat when he walked in. See, I don't know who that man would have been if the Lord hadn't gotten a hold of him first. And because of that, I know what it means to have a good father. And I hopefully can become that one day. So you got to understand, it's not always going to be what you want. But God will always take care of your needs. So you don't have to worry. You don't have to freak out because you know that your dad's got your back. Number two, if you want to know what a good father looks like, a good father disciplines his children. A good father disciplines his children. Now, I'm not talking about getting a beating, okay? I'm not saying God the Father is going to come down from heaven and, you know, pull your pants down and beat you with a lightning rod, okay? We're not talking about that. But the truth is, a good father disciplines his kids. We've all been there, right? You know, you're at Target and you see some kid kicking their mom and calling her names and you're like, oh, if that was my kid. How many of y'all thought that, right? Ooh, if that was my kid. Or if you're like me, you grew up in church, you know what? Always, it still, it makes me giggle. I love when a kid's acting up and you see the parent kind of just, they've had enough and they get up and they go to the bathroom. Now, if you grew up in church, you know what that means. They ain't going in the bathroom to pee, okay? You know that kid's about to get a whooping. The only thing worse is if you are in the bathroom when they walk in. Then you're like, oh, snap, better wash my hands. <laughs> Something in you is like, he's going to beat me too. I got to get out of here. <laughs> Okay, so again, I'm not talking about the whooping, although I will beat my child, right? I'm not talking about a whooping, but I am talking about discipline. I am talking about correction. Now, if we're honest, we don't like to be corrected. We don't like people telling us we were wrong. Some of us get really defensive. Some of us get really salty when somebody calls you out on something. You know, some of us, you get called down on something, the first thing you do is try to call them out on something, Right? Your teacher's like, oh, well, you, you got the answer on number three wrong. It's like, you got your life wrong. Why are you teaching? It's like, dang, bro. Came after her whole life. Like, okay, chill, right? But, again, that's our defensiveness. We don't, we don't like to be corrected. And I'll, I'll be honest, I think many times when you didn't have a father in your life, you didn't have a second person, it's hard for the, the even if it's vice versa, if you had your dad and you didn't have your mom, it's hard for one parent to play both roles. To be good cop and bad cop. So sometimes, you know, you end up growing up learning how to manipulate the situation. And we bring that kind of attitude about correctness into our relationship with God. So when God corrects you, when God says, no, that's not the life I want for you. No, that's not the person I want you to be with. No, that's not the way I want you to act. Instead of going, yes, Lord, absolutely, you're God, I'm not, you know what's right, I don't, yes. We go, well... That doesn't make sense, God. Man, if my child ever told me that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why can't I be with my friend? Because I said so. Because your friend's ugly. Now go away. <laughs> right? I might just say something dumb. Because I don't feel like I need to. If my three-year-old came up to me one day and were like, I want to do this. Let me do it. I'm like, no, you're three. Well, I want to. Well, you're three. Shut up. Okay? And that's what we do. God, I want to do. You're not God. I know the plans that I have for your life, the Bible says. Plans to prosper you, not to hurt you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I know these things. So when you start to deviate from that plan, God has to correct you. When your line of thinking starts to go away from God's line of thinking, that's where he corrects you. 
And correction is not something that comes out of anger. It's rooted in love. Listen, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 through 8. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, quote, my child, don't make light of the, word, of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. Let me pause right there. A lot of us give up when God corrects us. A lot of us, we love God as long as God lines up with everything we want to do. But the second God says, nope, the second God tells you no on something and corrects you, suddenly you're like, you know what, forget this religion thing. You know what, I don't need God. You want God as long as God lines up with your guidelines. But the second you step out of God's guidelines and he begins to correct you and check you on something, you take your ball and go home. You say, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And so here, the author of Hebrews is challenging them. He's saying, listen, listen, you've forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't blow it off. Don't pretend like it's not important. And don't give up when he corrects you. Listen, I've been there a few times when I'm, my parents kept correcting me on something. And I just throw it. I'm like, then I don't want to do it. You think my dad let me go away? No, my dad pulled me, sat me down. You're going to do it until you're done. I'm like, Ugh. And I've seen, it makes me laugh when, like, toddlers growl at their parents. You ever seen that? Or they're like, Ugh. And I'm like, well, I wish a little kid would. I'd knock his teeth out if he had any. He's just a child coming at me and growling at me. But listen, let's be honest. Let's be transparent. We growl at God when we don't get our way. We kick and we scream when God doesn't do the things we think he should be doing. When God doesn't line up with our way of thinking and our theology, we get mad at God and we kick and go. So it says, listen, be careful. Don't give up. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, listen to what this means. It means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. You know why I don't correct other people's kids? Because they're not mine. I'll see other people's kids acting bad. I'll see other people's kids doing dumb stuff. And I'll look at my wife and I go, man, if that were my kid. But you know what I won't do? Hey, look, give me a second. I'm going to go beat that kid. Hey, give me a second. I'm going to go correct that kid. Why? It's not my kid. It's not my child. I'm not going to go tell him. This is not my business. Right? Because if I go try to correct somebody else's kid, then I got issues with mom and dad. I'm like, you know what? Go raise a dumb kid then. I don't care. <laughs> like, that's not my business. And so here's what God is saying. If I don't correct you when you start to go off the path and the plan that I have for you, if I don't correct you, if I don't discipline you, that doesn't mean that I'm okay with what you're doing. It means you're not mine anymore. And the worst thing God can do is let you do whatever you want. Because what that subtly is telling you is it doesn't matter anymore. God stopped correcting you. And this is what we do. When we get deeper and deeper into sin, we start to sear our conscience. We start to ignore that voice. The more you ignore it, the more it stops speaking. And eventually you feel like, well, God doesn't have a problem because he hasn't said anything to me. Man, God stopped talking to you because you're not near him anymore. You're the one that's wandered off. Why? Because you didn't like correction. I've tried my hardest to make sure that I love you guys enough to correct you when I think you're wrong biblically. 
I never want to be afraid of you not coming back. I'm more afraid of you staying, living a life that God doesn't want you to live. So if that means you leave, I can live with that. Because I want to make sure that we apply God's correction appropriately. Because I know God's correction is what kept me on the path that he wants me to have for my life. And it's blessed me and benefited me every step of the way. Even the times I didn't like it. If God disciplines you, it's a good sign that he loves you. If God corrects you, that's a good sign that he loves you. Man, if that's the truth, then my father really, really loved me growing up. A lot of times. <laughs> With a very big belt. He's a, he's a heavy guy. You hear what I'm saying? But listen, God just doesn't, you know, he's not up there just wagging a finger at you at everything. This is a relationship that you have with your father. And he is a good father. And a good father doesn't just discipline. A good father is also willing to listen to his children. If you're taking notes, number three, God listens to his children. A good father listens to his children. I tell the leaders when, when they ask me for advice on how to be a good leader, one of the things I often tell people is master the art of listening. Especially when it comes to teenagers, and maybe you can relate. But I feel like the world loves to talk to you, loves to teach you, and hates to hear you. They don't want to, have to, they don't want to hear what you say. They don't want to hear what you think. You're brushed off as dumb and ignorant and childish, and so they're like, whatever. Listen to what I'm telling you and shut up. But it's important to know that God will listen to you. Now, he's not going to always change his mind. He's not going to go back on his word. He's not going to do whatever you want. Just because he listened to you doesn't mean, because a lot of times that's how we confuse listening. You're not listening to me unless you do it. No, that's God's to us, not us to God. <laughs> but God will listen to you. And here's what I found out. And this is what I tell leaders to listen. Because if we allow you to talk long enough. And I've, I've done this over the past 11 years, and it makes me look like an amazing pastor, but really it's being a good listener. If I let you talk long enough, nine times out of ten, you come to the answer. As you're speaking, you start to talk in ways, and I'm like, uh-huh, and what about this? And as we begin to guide that conversation, suddenly you say the thing, and you're like, uh, crap. Okay, I get it. And I just sit back, and I'm like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Inside, I'm like, ha-ha, got you. But listen, when you do that with the Lord, one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 73. In that psalm, the psalmist is beginning to complain to God. And literally, this is the, the whole first half of the psalm is what's the point of being a Christian if people who aren't get to do whatever they want and be okay? And I've lived my life for you and nothing good has come out of my life. So what's the point? And he's complaining to God. And he's angry with God. And he's calling God out. And God doesn't, you know, kill him and God doesn't, you know, scream at him and shout. God listens. And as he's talking in the psalm, suddenly you see a shift in his thought process. And he goes, and then I entered into your presence. And he realized when he got into God's presence that everything he was thinking was wrong. And the whole second part of the psalm talks about, man, how dumb was I? I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, the Bible says. Why? Because the Lord listened. Listen, you have an opportunity to sit wherever you want and connect with the Lord and speak to him and voice your opinion. We need to be careful when we pray that our prayers aren't these weird, you know, like we, we pray and like, oh, almighty, powerful thee, that thou would bestoweth upon me the strength of a hundred men. It's like, see, that's not how you talk. 
Okay, pray how you talk. However you talk, pray, you know. Now, I'm saying you don't got to be like super hood, you know. What up, pops? <laughs> okay, there should be some reverence. But I think the most powerful prayer are the genuine ones. And they don't have to be long. You know what's a powerful prayer? God, I'm scared. And I don't know if you're going to come through this time. When you read the Psalms, a lot of the ones that David wrote, King David was really honest. He would say things like, God, have you abandoned me? Have you forgotten me? Where are you? Where, what are you doing? When are you going to come back into my life? I need you. He was very honest in his prayers. Listen, John chapter 11, verse 41 through 42 says this. So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. This is Jesus, right, talking to God. And he goes, Father, thank you for hearing me. Obviously, you always hear me, but I'm saying this out loud so that other people know this is a conversation I'm having with you. And now as God's adopted sons and daughters going back into John 16, verse 26 through 27, Jesus says this. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I'll ask the Father on your behalf. Okay, so here's what he's saying. Before, he had to pray on their behalf. But now after the resurrection, after he was able to have a relationship with God and after they made that connection, Jesus points out, you're going to be able to go to the Father. Not that I'm going to ask for you. You ever have that friend that makes you order food for them? You know what I'm talking about? Or you might be that friend that's super awkward, like, order for me, order for me. Talk to them, talk to them. Okay, that's what Jesus had to be. But now he's saying, listen, I'm not ordering for you anymore. I'm not speaking for you anymore. Why? For the Father himself loves you dearly. Because you love me and believe that I came from God. In other words, because of your relationship to Jesus Christ, because you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you now have the love of the Father. And that love of the Father means access to the Father. And access to the Father means he listens to you when you speak. Listen, more often than not, we take this aspect for granted. We don't understand how amazing it is that the King of kings and the Lord of lords wants to listen to you. We don't understand how powerful it is that the God of the universe wants to know what you have to say. And here's the trickier part. It's not like he doesn't already know what you're thinking. It's not for his information. It's for your heart. It's so that you have an opportunity to say it, to vocalize it. Because intimacy is built in conversation. The more you talk to somebody, the more intimate you become. And God's saying, listen, I want you to talk to me, even about the things that you're struggling with. Because I want to be a good father to you. And I don't want to just always scream at you. I want you to speak to me as well. Being a good father means God listens to you. But if you're taking notes, number four, a good father is also someone who protects his children. A good father protects his children. You ever play that game, my dad's bigger than yours? You know what I'm talking about? Like, my dad could beat up your dad. Like, that's always an awkward thing. Like, I hope one day if I have a child, I don't hear him saying that. And then out from the bushes comes this, like, seven-foot monster. I'm like, dang it. Son, I cannot beat that guy. <laughs> like, let's go home. Okay. But why do we say that? Because we always think that our dad is huge. Like, I laugh sometimes where some of my buddies, they're, like, five-foot-one. And their kid thinks their dad's a giant. I'm like, you know, son, your dad is not big. <laughs> 
your daddy's small, okay? But we all look at our fathers and we're like, man, my dad is so big. We forget how big our God is. And we forget that our father wants to guard and protect you. Sometimes he has to protect you from yourself. Sometimes he has to protect you from your talking. <laughs> Sometimes he has to protect you from your negative thoughts. Sometimes he has to protect you from your selfishness and what you want. Sometimes you're your worst enemy, and that's who God is protecting you from. But also, God is wanting to protect you from so many things. Listen, let me be honest with you. When I was maybe in junior high, I remember I would walk home, and I lived in a rough neighborhood. And I, had, I think I'd, I'd had a couple encounters with some gangs that I, I got away okay with. But there was a paranoia that I had. And it was, I was so paranoid that every time I walked, I looked behind me. Every time I walked, I would stop and periodically just turn around. Because there was this feeling that someone was going to come up behind me and hurt me. And I remember I was growing in my relationship with God and I was growing in my understanding of God. And a lot of times when I would walk home, I would pray. And I remember as I was praying, the Lord began to speak to my heart. And he said, why do you keep turning around? And I remember thinking, because I don't want to get jumped. I don't want to get killed. I'm like, I've been shot at. I've been chased. God, do you not know where I live? Duh, this is why I keep turning around. And I remember the Lord telling me, trust me, stop turning around. Y'all know how hard it is when you're trying not to do something? Like, again, like I can go all day and forget to eat and not a big deal. But if I'm trying not to eat, oh, I'm dying. Like, it's the worst. So walking is one thing, but when the Lord told me stop turning around, everything in me wanted to turn around. It felt like there were a million spiders on my back and I just wanted to turn around. And I remember the Lord kept speaking, you need to learn to trust me. And so I kept walking. Why? Because I needed to learn how to walk in the confidence of the Lord and not in fear of man. I needed to trust that God would protect me. I didn't want to live a life that was scared. I wanted to live a life that trusted God. I wanted to live a life that said, even if man can take my life, I need to fear the God who not only can take my life but has the authority to send me to heaven or hell. You know, I'd much rather trust in him. Some of us, we get carried away because we don't feel like God's going to be there. John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30 says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they know me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from my father's hand. The father and I are one. What is he saying? Saying, you're mine, right? Jalene, come up here. Let me use you an example. So let's say Jalene's my daughter, right? And, and, and she's in my hands. And somebody comes around. Let's say, you're, let's say you're scared of him, right? What would you do? Okay, but we're going this way. What would you do? You hide behind me? You ever seen a kid hide behind their parent? She like totally disappeared, didn't she, when she stood behind me? It is the most natural instinct when a child is scared to hide behind their parent. So let's just say I'm God in this instance. And there's something that terrifies Jailene. She doesn't have to run like the first thing she said, right? What would you do? I wouldn't go that way. No, she would learn to walk behind the father. And she would know, I don't have to be afraid of what's ahead of me because I know who's walking ahead of me. Does that make sense? Awesome. You can sit in that front seat. That front seat. Yeah, that's good. Listen to me, guys. The Lord has you in his hand. 
And he doesn't want to let you go. Even if you're the one that's kicking and screaming to get loose. The Lord has you in his hand when you belong to him. When you're his sheep, you know his voice. You know why the Bible often refers to God's children, God's people as sheep? Because sheep are the dumbest animals out there. They're dumb. Like, you know how a shepherd has a staff with a little hook on it? You know why the hook is there? It's not just to, like, catch the sheep right before they run off. It's because sheep are so dumb that sometimes when they drink water, they forget to pick up their head and they'll drown and die. Like, that's a whole nother level of da-da-da, right? That's super dumb. So what does the shepherd do? He has to go there and he has to pick the sheep's head up. Why? Because they're dumb. Listen, we like to act like we're really smart. We like to pretend like we know everything. I'll be honest with you, beginning with me, as humans, we're dumb. We do things that hurt us, that hurt each other. We ignore God when he gives us the answer time and time again. We want to make it our own way. We want to do our own thing. We reject God's fatherliness. We reject his discipline. We reject his protection. We reject his love. Why? Because we want to do our own thing. That's not brave or independent. That's dumb. We're dumb. And yet the father doesn't give up on his sheep. I think the shepherd is a perfect example of a father and of everything we've talked about, right? If you kind of go over through some of the things, right, we talked the first thing. A, a good father does what? Provides for his children's needs. A shepherd is there to feed his kids, to make sure they drink, to make sure they have everything they need. He disciplines his children. I don't know if you've ever seen that picture of Jesus carrying a lamb over his shoulders. Anybody ever seen that picture? Jesus cared, maybe you got like a super Catholic grandma, it's got all that. Okay, what that illustration is for, just to give you context on it, when a sheep keeps running off because they're dumb, when the sheep keeps running off, it keeps doing things it shouldn't be doing and going into areas that can hurt it, that can get it killed, the shepherd has to teach it how to listen. So what it does is it grabs that lamb and it breaks its leg. Now that sounds horrible, okay, but here's why. He breaks his leg. And then he bandages it up so that it heals. And then he throws the sheep over his shoulder and carries it everywhere until the leg heals. And while he's carrying his sheep, he's speaking to it. He's talking to a sheep because the ear is right next to his head. And so he's talking to a sheep. He's teaching the sheep how to stay close. When that leg heals and he puts the lamb back down, it doesn't run off anymore. It doesn't run away. When the shepherd speaks, the lamb comes back. It gives it discipline like we talked about. Why? Because it loves its sheep. It doesn't want to lose it. It gives it that kind of correction. It listens to him and the sheep listens to him. And he protects his sheep because they belong to him. The Bible goes on to say a hired hand, if, if robbers came, if wolves came, the hired hand would run off. Why? Because those aren't his sheep. Right? When I worked at Target and, and we would train the cashiers, we'd be like, hey, listen, if they come and tell you to give me all the money, give them all the money. It's not yours. You are more important than the money. We got insurance for all that. So give them the money and go home. Why? Because this ain't my money. And so a lot of times the hired people, your pastor, your parents, your leaders, people, when it really gets crazy, they might run. They may not be there for you. But the shepherd will be there. Your heavenly father will be there. Because you belong to him. Does that make sense? Worship team, if you can help me out. There's one more thing that a good shepherd does if you're taking notes. Number five, it's this. A good father loves his children. A good father loves his children. And if we're honest, 
That's usually the one thing that we really wanted from our father. We didn't want the money. We didn't want the correction. We didn't want all the other stuff. If we're really having a moment of transparency, I just wanted him to love me. I just wanted him to want me. I wanted him to live a life that was good enough to want to be with me. And I know that's a hard subject for a lot of us here tonight. But I want you to understand that you do have a father that loves you. A father that wanted to be with you so badly that he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son so that the sin that separated you from him would be taken care of once and for all and you can be brought back into his arms and considered his child. A father who said, I will do whatever it takes to have you again in my arms. Listen, 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 10 says that God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Let me pause there. Because, man, our culture is trying really hard to warp that word. To, to switch what you think it means. To tell you that love is a million different things. No, 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 no. Real love is a God who had no business having to do any of this. Who could have left us fall in our own sin. But loved us enough to make a way so that you and I can have that father-daughter, that father-son relationship with him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You know, a lot of us, if we're honest, we're only willing to love someone who's willing to love us back. And that is what differentiates your heavenly father from everyone else on earth. Because your heavenly father says, whether you love me or not, whether you believe I exist or not, I still love you. But God, what if I messed up? I still love you. God, what if, what if I, I run away and, 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 I, and I disappoint you and I still love you? God, what if I ignore you and I stop loving you? Not that you loved me, but that I love you. In other words, a lot of times we look at love and we go, it has to go two ways. God loved on a one-way street. And he invites us to go back up that street with him. But even if you say no, even if you decide to walk away, it doesn't stop God from loving you. So here's how I'd like us to close. I want you to stand right where you're at. And in a moment, I'm going to pray for those of us in this room who are honest enough to say, Pastor, I try to play it off like not having my dad is not a big deal. But I'll be honest with you, it bothers me. It's affected me. It's, it's, it's something that I deal with on a regular basis. And in a moment, I want to pray that the love of the Father would not replace but would overcome what you feel you're missing. But before we do that, I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a moment, close your eyes, just out of respect for everyone else in this room. We talked about this amazing good father. But I mentioned earlier that not all of you can call him father. Only those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you only those who are part of this religion or only those who come into this building. 
only those who say, listen, I don't really even know much about this Jesus. But I know that there's a God-shaped hole in my heart. And while you were speaking, there was something that kept pointing at it. And if your Jesus is what fills that hole, if that's the missing piece, if that's the father that I always needed, then I don't want to walk out of here feeling that same way. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no looking around, I don't want you distracting anybody. This is a personal moment for you and you alone. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joey, I want to have a relationship with my heavenly father. I want to be considered a child of God. I want to accept Jesus Christ as my savior. Then right where you're at, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just lift up your hand so that we can pray with you? Anyone who would say, that's me, Pastor, thank you. Anyone else who says, that's me, Pastor, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Thank you. Here's what I'm going to do. Sal, I'm going to ask you if you can step over. Sal, if you would take him to the side and walk him through that moment and walk him through that prayer. Now I want to talk to everybody else. Just keep your head bowed and eyes closed for a moment. I want to invite you to this altar. Nothing special or different about this altar. But it is a moment where I want to gather some of you together. And in a moment, I'm going to have the leaders come and they're going to pray over you. But I, I want to ask you for a moment of transparency, a moment of honesty. If you're in this place and you're saying, listen, I'm having a real difficult time when it comes to the subject of my father. It may be that your father's not in your life. It may be that your father is in your life, but there's some serious issues that you've been having with him. Whatever the case is, I want to pray tonight that our Heavenly Father would come and fill those gaps that you've been feeling. I want to pray that those daddy issues would not be father issues. I want to pray that God would heal you from those areas that you're struggling in. So if that's you, if you're in this place, say, Pastor, that's me. As the worship team just begins to sing that chorus, you're a good, good father. I want to invite you to come up. Come on, if that's you, we're going to pray for you. Just come on up. Just come on up. That's it. Don't worry about anybody else. This is you and God. This is you and God. Come on, if that's you, come on up. Yeah. Come on. Come on, if that's you, come on up. Leaders, if you could start helping me out and guys, find a guy. Ladies, if you could find a lady. Come on, let's start laying heads. If you feel like you want to come up, just come up. Just come up. We're going to pray over you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every individual who's at this altar, God. Lord, first and foremost, I thank you for loving us. Lord, I thank you that your spirit is in this place. God, I thank you. Lord, that it is you who's always loved us, but that you were able to open our eyes to see just how much you love us. And God, I'm sorry for those of us in this room who have harbored bitterness and anger towards our dads that have looked at so much of why they weren't there that we were never able to notice that why you were. And God, I pray, help us to not be resentful towards our dads. Help us to not be angry at them, Lord. Help us to not hold a grudge against them, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to love them because you loved us, God. And Lord, I pray that it would be the love that you've given us that would be the kind of love that they can see. God, we don't know what our dad's situations were. We don't know the kind of love that they didn't have from their fathers. We don't understand always the ins and the outs. But we know you, God. And we know you are capable of loving the unlovable. You are capable of restoring your children. So, Father, I pray that your love would fill these young people up, God. 
Lord, that they could forgive those fathers that didn't come the way that they thought they should come, that didn't do the things they thought they should do. Lord, I pray that they forgive them the same way you forgave us, God. Lord, help us to not hold a grudge. Help us to not be bitter. Help us to not be angry. Lord, help us to love them. And Father, maybe even through that love, that they would be able to know you as their father. And Lord, I pray for us being children of God, that Lord, we learn to love you, God, that we learn to love your correction, that we turn to love your discipline, that we learn to love what it means to be protected by you, to love what it means to be provided for by you, that we learn to love you the way you love us. So Father, we thank you for this. And we pray that you be with us, not just in this moment, but every day of our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Would you give God a hand clap of praise real quick? You can start making your way back to your seats. Real quick, you can make your way back to your seats. Just a couple more things before we wrap up. A couple more things before we wrap up. You know, many of you know um, our story, and I've been here 11 years, and for 11 years, one of my goals has been to be the kind of father that many of you didn't have. Now, I'm not trying to replace your father. There's been times throughout the years where people will tell me, you're my dad, and I'm like, I'm not your dad. I'm going I'm, to I'm love you. I want to be here for you, but I'm not your father. But what I do want to be is an example to you. My wife and I, we don't have our own biological children. You know, she has endometriosis, which is uh, actually 50% of every woman who's not able to have children is because of that issue. So my wife hasn't been able to have children. And so you guys have been our children. You guys have been the ones that we love, the ones that we get mad at, the ones that we get frustrated by. And we try really hard to be the kind of spiritual parents uh, that you guys need. And so... We just wanted to end with a quick little video of appreciation that we wanted to show you guys as our children uh, that we thought you guys might get a kick of. So check out the screens real quick and uh, feel our appreciation. So real quick, no one post anything because um, you are the first public people we told. And part of why we wanted you to know is because we really do love you as our own children, as our own kids. And we want you to understand a couple of things. Uh, this baby doesn't change that. We you are still our spiritual children and you will always be and we will always have a home with us. And hopefully you guys will grow up to be some amazing babysitters. Um, she's, and, huh? And leaders. And so uh, we are just over 12 weeks pregnant. And so, 13 now, right? We're 13 weeks pregnant, which is just out of the first trimester. We'll announce it publicly on Sunday for Father's Day to let everybody know that I'm a father and Cicely's now a mother. And I tell you, the moment she told me, uh, first of all, just to give you a quick synopsis on the story. I told her years ago, the day you get pregnant, you are not allowed to throw a pea stick at me. I want something special. I proposed to you in a castle in Scotland. I want you to do something amazing for me. So what did she do? She told me in a castle in Japan. And so um, this is something that 
has really been God. We've been trying for three years, and um, we've had a miscarriage, and we've had some moments that have been difficult for us to go through it. But now we're praying for God's blessing. We're praying uh, that God would bring this to full term. When she told me that night as she laid there asleep, I put my hands over her belly, and I prayed that God would protect my child and bring them into this world fully healthy and fully compared. So I'm going to ask you, as we stand up, would you guys just extend your hands out? And uh, maybe Pastor Jason, if you would come and pray for us. And I'm going to ask you guys, right where you're at, would you just begin to pray for our child and pray for Cicely and me? Just begin to, right now where you're at, would you open your mouths and just begin to pray so the baby can hear you? And uh, let's just begin to pray that God would bless this. Come on, Axel, lift your voice in prayer. Father, we thank you so much because you are incredible. You are so good to us, Lord. I thank you so much for Pastor Joey and for Cease. Lord, you saw... Uh, the, the labor, Lord, you saw the hard work that, they, that they've put into this ministry, God. You know the sweat and the tears that they've put in, Lord, to, to be spiritual parents to, to this amazing generation, God. And now you have blessed them. Now you have answered their prayers, God. You have heard their cries, Lord. You remain faithful, God. You heard them in the hardest of times, Lord, in the darkest of hours, God. You heard their prayers, God, and you answered them by giving them a child, Lord. And so we give you thanks, God. We give you praise, Lord, because we know that you are worthy. We know that you are able to do amazing things, God. And I thank you that of all the things that you've already done in their lives, Lord, that you've given them another amazing testimony, God. You've given them another story to tell this generation and generations to come, Lord, that you are faithful, God. And so we pray, God, that, that you will bring this baby to term, God. We know that you are faithful. We pray that you would do a miracle in their lives, continue to do miracle after miracle in their lives, God. We thank you so much because you are good. You are a good father in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Hey, again, just, just a reminder, please don't post anything. Don't tell your parents because they're going to find out Sunday if they come to church. So don't say anything until we make it public. Again, we, we, we hope you respect that. We hope that you appreciate that. And when we do make it public, if y'all want to put posts on whatever social media you got, and, man, we'll, I know Cicely will feel special. I'll cry. It'll be amazing. Uh, we're so grateful for you guys. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but, you know, we want you guys to be a part of the process. We want you guys uh, to be a part of our family in that. And so we love you. God bless you. And we will see you on Sunday. Come for Father's Day. See the big church reveal.